This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Good morning. It's good to have you guys here today. And we're talking about proven under pressure. How many of you guys like pressure? You love it? Yeah, nobody really seems to be all fired up about it that much, I don't think, you know. But uh, here it says in Psalms 119, verse 143, it says, As pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commands. (laughs) You know, although there's pressure and there's stress, he says, I find joy in your commands. And in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, it says, don't be dejected. Don't be depressed and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And there's a little uh, poem here. It says, I'm reaching for the prize. I'm giving everything. I give my life for this. It's what I live for. Nothing will keep from me all that you have for me. You hold my head up high. I live for you. And greater is he that is living in me than he that's in the world. Faith. I can move the mountains. I can do all things through Christ. I know. And and we're talking about faith and, and standing and believing. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you know that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you? Awesome. That's a wonderful thing to know it deep down in your heart. And that which is in us is greater than that which is around us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7 says, We now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile jo- clays, clay jars, sorry, containing fragile, this... Fragile, that's delicate, you know, weak clay jars. Containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God. It's not from ourselves. We are pressed on every, every side, side by, by troubles. troubles. Are, are y'all conscious of that? You're being pressed on every side by troubles (laughs) when troubles come your way. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. Hmm. James chapter 1 verse 2 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, that's when, not if. Yeah, and... Have, have troubles been coming your way? Yes. Well, what about you guys? Y'all have troubles coming your way? Yes. All right, that's talking about all of us here. Mm-hmm. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For great joy. When troubles are coming, I mean, that is usually when you think, well, that's an opportunity to cry. Or to fuss or moan or groan or bellyache or complain. 
But he says here, you know, brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, <clears throat> consider it an opportunity, <clears throat> excuse me, not just for joy, but for great joy. I mean, here's an opportunity to operate in the supernatural, to make things begin to really work for you. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. When your faith is being, in, being tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and, and complete, needing nothing. Wow. He says you'll be complete, fully developed, and needing nothing. That's pretty amazing when you stop and think about it. He says, so let it, let it grow. So pressure in our life produces something pretty amazing. It really does. Don't y'all enjoy pressure? No. No, I don't think anybody really enjoys it. But he tells us here, when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect. You don't get no better than perfect, do you? No. And you'll be complete. Needing nothing is what he tells us. First John chapter 2, verse 14, it says, I have written to you who are young in the faith because you are strong. God's word lives in your hearts. Yes, it does. And you have won your battle with the evil one. Even when we're young in the faith, if God's word is living in us, we win the battle. Right. Even though there's pressures, even though there's troubles. Proverbs 7 verse 1 says, follow my advice, my son. Always treasure my commands. Always treasure my commands. Obey my commands and live. Guard my instructions as you guard your own eyes. How important is it for you to guard your eyes? You're, you're around something that's spinning and throwing little pieces of something off. You, you're going to wear your safety glasses. You're going to protect your eyes, right? He says, here, follow my advice, my son. Always treasure my commands. Obey my commands and live. Guard my instructions as you guard your own eyes. Guard my instructions as you guard your own eyes. That's just pretty, you know... Finely detailed. I mean, eyes are important, you know. Genesis chapter 39, verse 6, talking about Joseph. It says, so Potiphar gave Joseph, Joseph complete administrative responsibility over, over everything. everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Can you imagine that's all you had to focus on? What am I going to have for breakfast? What am I going to have for lunch? What am I going to have for a snack in between those things? What am I going to have for dinner? Okay, I'm working on breakfast again tomorrow. That's all he had to really think about, you know? That's all he had to think about. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. Talk about pressure. That's a, a very evil kind of pressure. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. 
No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, Come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 in the Message Bible gives us some encouragement when we are faced with temptations as Joseph was. It says, No test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. God will do what? He will never let you down. Never. God will never let you down. When you're being tempted, whatever's coming your way, God will never let you down. He's going to help you every step of the way. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. That's that's what he's telling us. Yes, and he helped Joseph in that way. In verse 13, it says, When she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called out to her servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. She lied big time. She did. She kept the cloak with her, hus- with her until her husband came home. Then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside leaving his cloak with me. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. 100%. He took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to prosper Hmm. or to succeed. He loved God and he didn't compromise under all the pressures that was there. You know, he held up under the pressures because of what was on the inside of him. Mm-hmm. He was able to hold up and his relationship with God, he became second in command when you think about it, to Pharaoh himself. Mm-hmm. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world. Don't, don't, don't become just like the world around about you. And there's a temptation, is it not? The world that's in our midst right now, is there a temptation just to become like the rest of the world? To become like it? Well, there are definitely pressures that I don't ever remember having to face before in the culture that we're living in. And he says, don't be conformed 
to this world. We need to not give into it. We need to stand up for what we believe in. It says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. transformed by the renewing of your mind. And what's inside, you know? How you think about things. Think about that. Once upon a time, there was a man who lived with his wife, two small children, and his elderly parents in a tiny hut. He tried to be patient and gracious, but the noise and crowded conditions wore him down. In desperation, he consulted the village wise man. Do you have a rooster? asked the wise man. Yes, he replied. Keep the rooster in the hut with your family and come see me again next week. The next week, the man returned and told the wise elder that living conditions were worse than ever, with the rooster crowing and making a mess of the hut. Do you have a cow? asked the wise elder. The man nodded fearfully. Take your cow into the hut as well and come see me in a week. Over the next several weeks, the man, on the advice of the wise elder, made room for a goat, two dogs, and his brother's children. Is anybody interested in applying this and seeing if this works for you? That is pressure on more pressure. That is serious pressure. Finally, he could take no more. And if in a fit of anger, he kicked out all the animals and the guests, leaving only his wife, his children, and his parents. The home suddenly became spacious and quiet, and everyone lived happily ever after. Hmm. Romans 12, verse 2 in the Message Bible puts it this way. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Hmm. God brings the best, he says, out of you. Even in the midst of pressure. Mm-hmm. When you're under pressure, does the best come out of you? Yeah. Well, it, it could be. You know, fiery trials and tests and troubles could, could you know, become a positive thing if, if we responded to God properly. Hard kernels subjected to heat and pressure, produce something wonderful. Going through the heat and pressure bring an explosion of a wonderful snack. What's it called? Popcorn. Transformation takes place. And it seems like it's very difficult. There's an explosion of sorts. You know, there's a transformation, a change that is taking place. But God brings the best. How many of you guys like popcorn? I do. One of my favorite snacks. We should have served popcorn during the lesson today. There you go. That would have been awesome, wouldn't it have? Yeah. Oh, man, we'll have to do that next time. Okay. But popcorn is a pretty good thing. There's a transformation. But a lot of people would see it as something negative in the beginning, anyhow, when all this pressure and, and this heat and all begins to take place, you know. We all face circumstances that put our, our faith to the test. And it looks like that's what was happening here. First Peter chapter 1, verse 6 said, but, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. 
even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. Hmm. Remember the popcorn. You're having to remember these trials for a little while, he says. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. In 1 Peter 4, verse 12 in the Message Bible, it says, Friends, when life gets really difficult. Filled with pressure. And and out of curiosity, how many of y'all deal with pressure on a regular basis? Pressure comes into your life? I don't like it. You don't like pressure? No. Mm Mm-hmm. I tend to get more things done when I'm under pressure, though. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Pressure does produce something. (laughs) It does produce something. It does. It goes on to say, friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Don't jump to conclusions. That because of this pressure that God's not on the job. Yeah, we can tend to say, God, where are you? I'm feeling all these pressures. Remember the Israelites up against the Red Sea, they felt boxed in, you know, fleeing Pharaoh's army who were coming at them from, from all sides, unbelievable pressures, and God opened up the Red Sea. This is what happened. God was in the midst of these pressures as well, you know. And he displayed his glorious power in this most difficult time in their life. In verse 13 of 1 Peter 4, it says, Instead, when don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process. With glory just around the corner. Just around the corner. When you're thinking that everything's kind of blowing up in your face, that glory is just around the corner. If you're abused because of Christ, count yourself fortunate. That means rejoice. When you're going through this, rejoice. It's the spirit of God and his glory in you that brought you to the notice of others. Psalm 28 verse 7 says, The Lord is my strength and shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. Pop. Sounds like the popcorn, you know. The popcorn. Is that a positive thing when the corn pops or negative? Positive. It's positive. You can't wait for it to pop, Mm. right? There's an explosion that takes place. And now you're looking forward to enjoying that popping that took place there. Psalm 28, verse 6 and 7 in the Message Bible says, Blessed be God, he heard me praying. He proved he's on my side. I've thrown my lot in with him. Now I'm jumping for joy and shouting and singing my thanks to him. 
when pressures come, God proves he's on our side. He's proven. He does. In Psalm 30, verse 12 in the Message Bible, it says, I'm about to burst with song. Hmm. And, and you can see that. That's that popcorn. Mm-hmm. I'm about to burst with song. That's a positive thing, is it not? Yep. That's our response to pressures. I'm about to burst with song. I can't keep quiet about you, God. My God, I can't thank you enough. Hmm. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 says, Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vines, and even though the olive crops fail, and the fields lie empty and barren, Even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. I mean, this pretty much sounds bad, does it not? Everything that can possibly happen wrong is happening wrong. And he says in verse 18, he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Yet I will rejoice. He made a choice. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I mean, like the popcorn's going off. You know, he's choosing to rejoice all those craziness happening around him. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to burst forth. I'm going to explode with joy is what he's telling us here. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Habakkuk didn't merely endure pressure, but he prospered because of the pressure. There was something good that was taking place in his life, was it not? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Psalm 45 verse 1 says, My heart overflows with a beautiful thought. A beautiful thought? Mm -hmm. Can you imagine when popcorn is going, you know, is that a beautiful thought? Yep. Well, according to, to what it says here in Psalms 45, my heart overflows with a beautiful thought. What about you? Does your heart ever overflow with a beautiful thought when these kinds of things are taking place? These unbelievable pressures that are bringing explosions in your life and all. According to a researcher at the University of Michigan, a program of good exercise may help a person fight off colds and infection. The theory is that a good workout puts the body in a condition similar to what happens at the onset of a fever. That's not all bad. Most biologists are of the opinion that a fever is the body's way of fighting back when micro-intruders get into the system. Increased body temperature seems to aid the white blood cell defense system while slowing down the action of bacteria and viruses. Exercise, it is now thought, does the same thing. It releases chemicals into the blood that stimulate the brain to make our temperature rise. Hmm, interesting. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 in the Message Bible, it says, And don't for a minute let this book of the Revelation be out of mind. Ponder and and meditate on it. Meditation is um, disciplined thought. You're you're disciplined in your thought. You you guys ever discipline your thoughts? Mm -hmm. Or you just let your thoughts just run wild? Both. You you hear anybody answering? (laughs) 
I'm just checking the it's scene. It's best when I discipline them. But it's best when we discipline our thoughts. He says, and don't for a minute let this book of the Revelation be out of mind. This Ponder and meditate on it day and night. Make sure you practice. You, you, you live it out. You, you exercise it. I was liking what the girls said in that little uh, promotion about what they're doing at Super Church. They, when they read the scriptures, she said, we want you to love this scripture. Love it and live it. Well, that's love what it. we need to do with God's and word. Live it. live it out. Do he it. He says, ponder and meditate on it day and night, making sure you practice. You, know, you, you live it out. You exercise it. You practice everything written in it. And then you'll get where you're going. And then you'll succeed. This is a positive thing, is it not? Mm-hmm. You'll succeed. And, and great thoughts reduced to practice become great actions. So it starts here. It starts here. And then you put it into practice and you, you act upon it. In Psalms 19 verse 10 it says in the Message Bible it says, God's words is better than a diamond. Anybody here have a diamond? Mm-hmm. Yep. Y'all don't use diamonds here in Connecticut? <laughs> I'm just checking to see, okay? But, but he's telling us here God's word is better than a diamond. You mean right here, this is better than a diamond? Mm-hmm. It's what he's telling us, is it not? Yep. He says his word is better than a diamond. You know, although diamonds are, are greatly treasured, it says God's word is better than a diamond. Better than a diamond set between emeralds. And, and, and you'll like it better than strawberries in spring. Right? Yeah, God's word. I like it better than strawberries. Do y'all like God's word better than strawberries? Yes. Even yeah. if they're dipped in chocolate. <laughs> you're, pretty, you're pretty wise guys. He says here, better than red, ripe strawberries. Verse 11, he says, there's more. God's word warns us of danger and directs us to hidden treasures. Otherwise, how... Will we find our way or know when to play the fool, clean the slate, God, so we can start the day fresh? Keep me from stupid sins. That sounds like a good idea. Stupid sins. Yeah. Yeah. Would y'all like to stay away from all stupid sins? Yeah. I think that's a good idea. I think most sins are stupid. Well, you're, you're probably right. But he says, keep me from stupid sins, from thinking that I can take over your work. And that's really stupid. When we think we know better than God. You're right. Then I can start this day sun-washed. You know, sun-sterilized, scrubbed clean of the grime of sin. These are the words in my mouth. And that's what he says here in Matthew 12, 34 says, whatever is in your heart determines what you say. It it starts off in your heart. Mm -hmm. And that's going to determine 
what you say. So if it gets in your heart, it's going to come out your mouth, don't you think? Yeah, especially when pressure comes. So he says in verse 14, these are the words in my mouth. These are what I chew on. It's what I'm thinking about. And, and I pray, you know, God's word. And it says, accept them when I place them on the morning altar, O God, my altar rock. God, priest of my altar. And then he goes into Philippians chapter 4, you know, uh, verse 6 through 9. And this is our spiritual exercise. He says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, he and says... this is neat. It's different. It's in the Message Bible. So yes, it is. We use this scripture quite a bit, but it's good in the Message. It says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Pray the Word. I mean, this is a great prayer book. Learn how to pray what the scripture says. It says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray... Pray the word. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Instead of worrying, pray. He says it can shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good. Everything coming together for good. When, when you would naturally be threatened and, and all concerned, and that's what he says here in Psalms, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Let God know your concerns. And before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Has, has Christ displaced worry at the center of your life or are you given to worry? He wants us to think about things in, in, in light of our relationship with him. And he doesn't want us worrying about anything. He goes on to say in verse 8, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating. And meditation is a, is a, a disciplined thought, disciplined thinking. And he says, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, Reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse, put into practice, and he's talking about here, let's exercise this, put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realize and, and act upon what you know here. And he says, do that. And God, who makes everything work together. Does God work everything together? He does. does he, doesn't he say that he works it together for good? Yes. Do that. And God, who makes everything work together, and he makes it work together for good, 
will work you into his most excellent harmonies. You know, our spiritual exercise, and it, it tells us, and we can see it very clearly in his word, he tells us, how many things are we supposed to worry about? None. Nine? None. Oh, oh, none. He <laughs> says, don't worry about anything. Don't worry. There's nothing that God permits you to worry about. He tells us to pray about what? Everything. Everything. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And then it tells us not to pray, but it says praise him. Praise him for all he has done. And you'll experience the wholeness where everything comes together for good, settling you down. And that's what he wants us to do. Don't worry, but to pray about everything. And then he says, and praise him. For all that he's done. Praise him in the midst of it. Even if it don't look like he's working it together for good. Praise him in the midst of this. And he tells us, he says, you know, that we can fill our thoughts with what's true. You ever fill your thoughts with what's true? I mean, God's word is true, is it not? He tells us to fill our thoughts with what's true, what's noble. With what's reputable, what's authentic, what's compelling and gracious. To fill our thoughts with the best, with the beautiful, with things to praise God for. And practice that all you've learned. And this is what he wants us to do. And then he says here in Philippians chapter 4 verse 11 in the Message Bible. He says, actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. Now, does this relate to you? Yeah. Yeah. Do do you need anything? Nope. What do we have for lunch? Uh, Oh. (laughs) There you go. You're shaking it out. (laughs) Sounds like a good idea to me. So we solved that one right there, didn't we? But he says, actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything Personally, That's a wonderful feeling. It really is a wonderful place. And this is something that this guy, he came to this conclusion. This is something he learned. It doesn't just naturally pop into our, our mind. But it says, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content. Have you learned to be content? Think about it. Contentment is something that we learn. It doesn't just naturally pop into a hole. Yeah, you know, it's something that we learn. And he says here, Philippians 4, 11, it says, actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content, whatever my circumstances. You know, when, um, when we... First came to Connecticut, we came to pastor a church in New Haven. We were just a few blocks from Yale. And we came to pastor that church in about a a year, uh, well, about six months into it, then Ronnie started a Bible study here in Southington. Some people said, hey, would you have a Bible study in our home? And he said, yes. They were all uh, born-again Catholic folks that were hungry for God's Word. And yeah, John and Betty were part of that. Right. And um, so we were, 
by the time we were in New Haven for about a year and a half, we realized that they didn't, the church that we were at didn't necessarily believe exactly the way we believed, and we weren't changing, and they weren't changing. So ultimately, there needed to be a parting of ways. And um, so Faith Living Church actually started, you know, the 1st of October, and it was on a Thursday. So that was the first official um, service of Faith Living Church. And this is the scripture that Ronnie taught on. And at that time, when we had to leave New Haven, we didn't have any place to live. We were actually homeless. I didn't really think about it so much until years later. I'm like, wow, we were homeless. We didn't have anywhere to live, you know? And um, so we, we went to stay at a little motel that used to be on Queen Street. And that we were going to stay there. He was studying, preparing for that Thursday night service. And, um, and he was going to be teaching on this. And we started thinking about it. We're like, how long can we stay in this motel? We don't have enough funds to stay here very long. But the scripture says, be content. Be content. So he, as he was studying this, he said, we need to be content with what we have. And right now, we need to be content with our tent. And so at that point, he we preached. We moved out of the motel into our tent at, at, Kettle, at Kettle Town State Park. Now, this was October. We stayed there a couple of weeks, and it started getting very cold. And so about two weeks in, the They came and told us, you got to get out. Oh, there's a, a rough... A primitive. Primitive area y'all can camp in if you want to, you know, but we had to get out of the regular campground where they had some restrooms and water yeah. and all those kinds of things. Judah was two years old at the time. And I how old is he now? He's 40, almost 44. Okay. He'll be so 44 it gives you an idea. So at that time, you know, so after, you know, the ranger came and told us we were going to have to move and we were in, in the tent, you know, it was, it was cold and I just started crying and I'm like, what are we going to do? And I remember Ronnie standing there, you know, and saying, I don't care if we freeze to death, you know, God's called us here. He's going to provide, you know, the, we're, you know, this is just the way it is. We just have to trust God. And I'm like, okay. You know, so right. He, no, he barely got that out of his mouth and somebody came knocking at our tent door and it was somebody that he had met at a Bible study, one mm-hmm. of the Bible studies. And this guy had been to a prayer meeting that day and was telling Ronnie all about it. But he said, I heard that you were staying out here and it's going to be really cold tonight. Would you come and stay at my house? He lived in the area. And uh, Ronnie said, no, we're fine. And I'm like, yes, please, let's go. <laughs> you know, but he said, no, we're fine. And, uh, and then he was kind of rambling on telling about his day. And he said, you know, I was at a prayer meeting today. And there was this lady there. And she's an elderly lady. This is what the other guy The other us. guy was saying. And she wanted us to pray because she has an apartment for rent. And she doesn't have anybody to rent it. And Ronnie said, I'll take it. You know, so we moved in the next day on Baldwin Street in Waterbury, and that's where, you know, God provided. But first we had to be content with what we had, you know, and we had a tent, and we were willing to be content with that as long as, I mean, it wasn't easy, you know, it wasn't easy, but God honored that, you know, just being content with what he had provided, and then he provided more, and he's never stopped providing. He's never failed us yet. Uh, Think about it for just a moment in reality. Are you content with what God has provided thus far? It don't mean that he's not going to provide more, but are you content with what he's provided so far? It's like, thank you, Lord. That's the key. 
to taking another step forward. Mm-hmm. Is being content with what you have right here at this moment. Let me just read that verse again. Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned, and, and this is something that you have to learn. That's the only way to obtain it. I have learned by now to be quite content. I've learned to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I've learned to be quite content. This is something that we learn. It may not feel right. may not feel good. You know, but we learn. You know what? God is 100% faithful. And he is 100% faithful. And he says, I've learned by now. By now, this is a learning process. To be quite content, whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much. Now, let me ask you honestly. Are you as happy with just a little dab as with a much? Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, no, 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 yeah, yeah. So we can tell it's not unanimous, right? But he says here, I'm just as happy with little as with much. With much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy. Would you like to find the recipe for being happy? Yes. He says... I found the recipe for being happy. Whether you're full or whether you're hungry, hands full or hands empty, he says, I don't worry about it because I've learned how to be happy. That's what he's saying here. I was just thinking about another scripture. I don't remember exactly where it is. It's in the Gospels, but it says, a man's life, real life, does not consist of the things that we possess. You're right. Possessions is not what life is all about. No, because you, you, you meet people and, and hear about people from third world countries that have nothing, but mm-hmm. they have Jesus and they are amazingly happy and content and full of joy. Right. Our lives don't consist of the things that we possess. So we have to learn how to be content, mm-hmm. whether you have little or whether you have much. Uh, being content is, is a topic that you learn how to apply in your own life. And that's what he said. Let me go back over here again. He says, I've learned by now, I've learned by now to be quite content, whatever my circumstances. Now think about this. Have you learned to be content, whatever your circumstances? Whether you got a new one of these or no one of these, or you don't even have one of them. <laughs> Think about it. Have we learned to be content and to be very thankful in the midst of it? Because you know he's going to take care of you. He's going to provide for you. But, but can we be content right now in the midst of it? It's like, you know, God's in control. He knows what my needs are. And, and I've learned to be content. And that's what it, it says. Actually... I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now 
to be quite content, whatever my circumstances are. Whatever they are, now this is a big, whatever my circumstances are, this is the big deal to this statement here. Mm-hmm. I've learned to be content. Whatever my circumstances, whether I got a lot or whether I have a little or I have none at all, I've learned to be content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much. Can you be there in that place where I'm just as happy with little as with much? Or do we have to have much in order to be happy? Because those things are going to constantly be changing in our life. And God loves us and he takes care of us in a very good way. He really does, but he wants us to teach us the value of following him. He says, I'm just as happy with little as with much. With much as with little. I found the recipe. I found the recipe for being happy. Whether full or hungry. Now that's an awesome recipe you ought to find. Don't you think? I found the recipe for being happy. Whether full, oh man, oh no, I can't no more. Or or, or being hungry. Hands full or hands empty. I don't worry about it, he says. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through. What's that next word? Anything. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. When I am united with Christ, I I can trust him 100%. Whether I'm hungry or whether I'm full, whether I got lot, whether I got little, You know, in Christ Jesus, he's saying, I'm content. I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. You know, pressure doesn't crush me anymore. Does pressure crush you? Because you can learn how to live in a a pressurized situation without it crushing you. this, this This is okay, you know. Pressure just don't crush me. I I can burst forth with joy when I'm in in a pressurized situation. Instead of bursting forth with anger, it's like, yes! And praise Him. Is that possible? Mm -hmm. In uh, Proverbs chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Follow my advice, my son. Always treasure my commands. Obey my commands and live. Guard my instructions as you guard your own eyes. How valuable are your eyes? Do you guard them? Do you wear special glasses if you're going to be mowing and you're out where there's a bunch of little sticks and rocks and things like that? You're going to protect your eyes, will you not? And he says, obey my commands and live. And guard my instructions as you guard your own eyes. 
Guard God's instructions as you guard your own eyes. They're very, 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 very valuable, your eyes are, you know. And do you, do you guard your eyes? Think, think about right now, what are you seeing? What are you looking at? Are there certain things that you should not be seeing? That was a question. Are there certain things that you shouldn't be looking at? Some of the things on the news. We don't, we don't need to know the details. Sometimes we don't need to know a lot, a lot of it, to be honest with you, because it adds greater pressure and it can sow seeds of worry in our hearts. It really can in discord if, and it's things that God tells us not to worry. You know, mm-hmm. just because it's, it just because something's on the news, does that make it right? No. We learned that a long time ago. That's not right. And they flip flop around and change all the time, do they not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I tell you what you can focus upon, you can focus upon God's word. And God will sustain you. Whatever's going on in your life, God will see you through. He will sustain you and he's going to take care of you. That's just the truth. And he says here in Proverbs chapter 7, verse 1, he says, follow my advice. Okay. Follow my advice, my son. Always. Now, what, what percentage is always? 100%. Okay. So he says, always, follow my advice, my son. Always treasure my commands. Always. This is the commands of Almighty God. We treasure them. That's why we, we get up on Sunday morning, maybe Saturday night, or later on Sunday. We get up and we go to church together and we study God's word together. Because we value it and it produces faith. It gives us instructions. It genuinely does. This is the only book that's alive and powerful. And it brings about transformation in our lives. And he says, follow my advice. And you can find it right here. Follow my advice, my son. Always, 100% of the time. Always treasure my commands. Always. Okay. We treasure it. That means we, we read it, we study it, we, we memorize it, but we hide it in our heart. We treasure God's commands. We, we value them. And I'm going to tell you, it will change your life for the better. Follow my advice, my son. Always treasure my commands. Always, always, always treasure my commands. There's not one day in your entire year where God says don't treasure them. Mm-hmm. He says, always treasure my commands. And then he says, obey my commands. Obey my commands. Whatever his command says, he says, obey my commands and live. live. Guard my instructions. Guard my instructions. As you guard your own eyes. How important is it for you to guard your eyes? I'm going to tell you, there are some things that a man or a woman should not look at. Mm-hmm. And we can think, well, that ain't no big of a deal. It is a very big deal. 
And if it can genuinely hurt us, and we are to guard our eyes, what we look at and what we see, we really do need to guard that because it can hurt us greatly. And he says, follow my advice, my son. Always treasure my commands. Obey my commands and live. Obey my commands and live and guard my instructions. The same as as you would guard your own eyes. Guard my instructions. And and they might seem to be, well, hey, that big of a to-do. Oh, yes, it is a big to-do. Guard the instructions that God gives us because he is protecting us. He's protecting our eyes. And he's protecting our brain where things get into our eyes and it gets into our brain and gets into our thinking. And he's trying to protect us, you know. And this is what he wants to do. To protect us, you know. This is a choice that you have to make and I have to make. We all have to make this choice. We genuinely do. Well, what I would like to challenge us to do right now is just to pray for a moment. I'd like us to reaffirm our faith in a wonderful Savior and just dedicate our eyes. Are you guys glad you got eyes? Mm -hmm. Yes. Let's just dedicate our eyes to him. And that he would protect our eyes and what we see and what we allow to sneak into our heart. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I dedicate all that I am. I dedicate all that I am. To you. To you. Body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. I dedicate my eyes to you. I dedicate my eyes to you. Help me, almighty God. Help me, almighty God. Not to look at anything. Not to look at anything. That would displease you. That would displease you. Help me only to see. Help me only to see. That which honors you, almighty God. That which honors you, almighty God. I dedicate myself to you. I dedicate myself to you. To live. To live. To breathe. To breathe. And to see. And to see. That which blesses you. That which blesses you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now I'd like to say one final prayer. Just uh, really dedicating our life and our all to him. And thinking of, about you know, the, the things that we look at and the things that we experiencing and I would just like to challenge you as we just give him all that we are that we would just be 100% sold out to Jesus body soul and spirit would you pray with me heavenly father heavenly father I give you all that I am I give you all that I am body soul and spirit body soul and spirit I'm all yours I'm all yours I'm all in I'm all in. I ask that you'd work in me. I'd ask that you would work in me. And through me. And through me. I am yours. I am yours. Forgive me for all my sins. Forgive me for all my sins. And cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I choose to follow you. I choose to follow you. All the days of my life. All the days of my life. And I choose to see what you see. 
I choose to see what you see. And not to see anything. And not to see anything. That would displease you. That would displease you. I'm yours, almighty God. I'm yours, almighty God. And I choose to follow you. I choose to follow you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. My Savior. My Savior. And I dedicate myself. And I dedicate myself. 100%. 100%. To follow Jesus. To follow Jesus. In every area of my life. In every area of my life. As my Savior. As my Savior. As my Lord. As my Lord. And as my soon coming King. And as my soon coming King. I am yours. And Papa God, I ask you for a miracle. And I ask you for a miracle. Keep my eyes. Keep my eyes. For they'll only see pure things. They'll only see pure things. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.